0: Hello, and welcome to Imagine Amazing, Oregon HFMA's podcast with its current president.
1: Today, we will be meeting with a very special guest, Tony Andre, Secretary of Oregon HFMA Chapter and a partner at Moss Adams, one of the 10 largest accounting firms in the United States.
0: As this is the president's podcast, we are joined today by Oregon HFMA's 2020 through 2021 chapter president, Tammy Kuhn, who will be providing us with important chapter updates and Healthcare Trends in Oregon.
1: And as a reminder to our listeners, this podcast is available on all popular podcast platforms and is now viewable on Oregon HFMA's YouTube channel. To watch the podcast, Pop Some Popcorn, go to YouTube, type in Oregon HFMA Imagine Amazing, click on the desired episode, sit back and enjoy.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Johnson.
1: And I'm your host, Kelly Smith. Today's episode of Imagine Amazing is sponsored and made possible by Delap, a fully integrated financial services firm with experts in tax assurance, business advisory, wealth advisory, and cybersecurity. The Delap team consists of talented professionals that guide businesses at every stage. The team at Delap is constantly blazing a new trail and giving clients a comprehensive view of their financial picture, then helping them protect what they built. Thank you, Delap.
0: And thanks today to Tammy Kuhn for joining the podcast. It's always great to have our amazing Oregon HFMA president with us.
2: Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. I've always enjoyed being a part of this podcast and having the opportunity to connect with our listeners and all of our wonderful leaders at HFMA. I continue to be impressed with the Oregon HFMA leaders and the volunteers and how they've adapted so quickly to all the changes that we've gone through, and they continue to drive forth the excellence in Oregon HFMA chapter. Our chapter is so lucky to have such amazing leaders.
1: I agree, Tammy. The team's been absolutely incredible, and it looks like we still have a lot of important things to do and talk about. Speaking of, we see that you have invited a very special guest to this podcast. Do you want to take a few minutes and do some introductions?
2: I would love to. So I'm very excited to introduce today's guest who happens to be the Oregon chapter secretary, Tony Andre and the valued member of Moss Adams. Tony, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Can you share something fun and exciting about yourself to us and our listeners?
3: Hey, hi, Tammy. It's great to be here. Uh, You know I've been a proud member of Oregon HFMA um, for many years now, uh, and I can't say enough about our volunteers this past year, with everything we've gone through. I did wanna just quickly say thank you to our volunteers mm-hmm. and all the hard work they've gone through to make our chapter just really thrive in the current times um, and continue to provide great valuable information to our members. Um, I've been in, uh, involved with HFMA for 20 years now. Uh, I started off in the Washington, Alaska chapter. I've been with the Oregon chapter now for, for over 16 years. Um, probably something uh, other folks don't know much about me is I grew up on a dairy farm. That's where my, uh, my dad was a dairy farmer. And uh, my parents came from, uh, from Portugal and immigrated to the United States. And so I spoke Portuguese the first few years of my <laughs> life until I started school in kindergarten. So uh, a lot of people don't realize that English is actually my second language. And so that's probably, a, I guess, I think that's a fun fact. Is that is it,
2: very much a fun
3: fact. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Sing, sing senor.
2: Well, we're excited to have you on the show today, Tony. So, Tony, question for you. So, on March 27, 2020, the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Secures Act was signed into law, making it the third and largest major legislative initiative to address the COVID 19 to date. Many providers are very interested in the CARES funding for Oregon. Can you tell us the typical types of CARES funding Oregon members could receive?
3: Sure, so I'm gonna keep this very high level and go through really the kind of the main tranches of funds that folks have received as we go through the questions. I know it's easy to spend probably a week or two just going through all the detail, but I think the things um, our members wanna hear is, is really the three main areas of funding that I've seen our members receive is one, is what's called the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP loan, um, that was received. Most of these funds were received back in March, April, and May. Um, so the the PPP money, as it's referred to, was a paycheck loan. Uh, as you, from its name uh, and title, it was meant to pay uh, to ensure that employees were maintained; they were not furloughed or let go. That uh, there was funds available to pay for employers to pay their employees. Um, So 60% of the funds from PPP has to be used towards payroll. And that uh, began back at late March and April. Um, And uh, there is actually a third tranche of funds that uh, I'll talk about here with this next piece that just became available a month ago that folks applied for, and that's the provider relief funds. And the provider relief funds were really provided to healthcare providers based on uh, their past revenues in 2018, so based on your funding for Medicare in 2018, you received this, uh, this money back in April again to help shore up your finances. And then the third piece is the Medicare accelerated and advanced payments. So these Medicare advanced payments are essentially for providers uh, paid in advance of seeing Medicare patients. They were given, again, money back in April and May. And the the plan was for them to pay that back as they saw Medicare patients in the future. Uh, Instead of receiving additional funds, it would get recouped from that additional loan they received. So so really, we saw these three main areas when it came to the PPP loan, the stimulus funds or the provider relief funds, which was a grant. And then that third item, which is the Medicare advance payments that essentially gets paid back as you start to see Medicare care patients over the next few years. There were some additional funds that were received in the state of Oregon related to FEMA. Some hospitals were able to to, uh, claim some of those funds. There was also some state funding that was available to some of the facilities and healthcare providers that they also did receive. But the three main areas were those three that I covered.
0: Awesome, thank you, Tony. I also understand along those lines that there's different criteria in determining whether you have and I'll quote, earned the CARES money. Can you elaborate on this for our listeners?
3: Sure. So this is an area that our our company is working with a a whole host uh, of clients with because the the rules have changed. The goalposts have changed at times. It gets very complicated. So here's what we know of as of right now. Uh, First, with that PPP, that uh, Paycheck Protection Program loan. So you have to go through the forgiveness process. So it's called a loan. If you can get it forgiven then you don't have to pay it back and that process started over the last month and a half essentially you have to show that at least 60 percent of the money was used to pay for payroll and there was a eight week to 24 week period that you had to spend those funds again back in the in the april may time frame uh, depending on which coverage period you selected what's interesting about that ppp program is you know, that certainly the goal is to get it forgiven. So if you used it on appropriate expenses, again, mostly payroll, and you can get it forgiven, it goes away. You don't have to pay it back. Um, if, however, you get partial forgiveness or you have to pay it back, um, what's interesting is after that initial eight-week or 24-week period that you had to spend the money, you have an additional uh, s- 10 months in order to determine whether you're going to have it forgiven or whether you're going to pay it back. So that gives you essentially 16 months from the time you initially received the funds to when you ultimately have it forgiven or have to start paying it back. So from that perspective, it gives you some time to figure out whether you can, you've met the qualifications or not. The payback terms are at 1%. Um, but so it's not an ex- you know, extremely high interest rate, but obviously if you can get it forgiven, that's ultimately the goal of why those funds were given out. So that's the first one. The second one is the provider relief funds. And again, that's a grant. And the intent for those funds were really to to help pay for protective uh, or personal protective equipment, PPE, as well as COVID specific costs that a facility or provider might encounter. So the first step that you'd want to do to earn those funds is make sure you're tracking the money that you spent during the year related to those programs. Um, And it's easy to forget, I think in some areas of what costs were spent related to COVID because most people think very directly, but there's also costs related to additional meetings that might've been had to be prepared. So you have to think a little creatively because it's easy to see additional costs that were incurred uh, because of Uh, of COVID related uh, issues. It's also, those funds are also meant to maintain your revenue year over year. So besides just spending the money on COVID related costs, you also uh, will have to do an analysis of where your revenue was from 2019 to 2020. What's interesting about that, and this is an area that changed for a few months, um, the federal government changed the rules to be based on your net income. And then they went back to this revenue approach so let's say your facility your revenues i'm going to pick a low number of 50 million dollars of revenue and your revenues in 2020 dipped to 47 million from a pure calculation you saw a drop of 3 million you would essentially be able to recover about 3 million dollars of those provider relief funds to go towards your uh facility uh, there's some other pieces to that but i'm trying to keep it as simple as possible Um, So that's kind of how the provider relief funds work. Essentially, you'd have to return the money if you didn't earn it. And if it was in an interest-bearing checking account, you'd have to pay back the interest related to that. But it doesn't have that same loan payback provisions that the PPP money does. So you'd have to pay it back immediately uh, within the next few months after you do your attestation process that happens in January and February of 2021. And then the third item, the Medicare advance payments, Um, That one has a very, um, I I think, gracious uh, approach to paying that back. So as I mentioned, that will be recouped based on future Medicare payments, which will happen essentially a year after you receive the fund. So if you received that advance payment in April of 2020, it's not until April 2021 that CMS will start recouping. So let's say you paid that you received $2 million as a facility, the first 25% or $500,000 of that $2 million would get recouped in that first year from April 21 to April 22. And they'll just recoup 25% off of your your um, EOBs and your claims. The second year, it's going to be 50%. And then the third year will be whatever's left to pay. So you could essentially have dragged that uh, those funds out to 2024 by the time it's fully paid. So that is a little more gracious and, and, and again, there's no interest on that. so that's nice for to see our facilities have those funds to be able to use on what they need to, but then they will have to recoup them in the future. So you want to make sure you've budgeted that cash flow will not be coming to the facility as a, as a result of those reductions in costs. So those are kind of some quick highlights of what you need to do to earn it or understand the payback provisions of those three main sources of funding.
0: Oh, very uh, great information, Tony. Seriously, I didn't realize how gracious it was on the Medicare um, payback. So that's fantastic. It,
3: news. It's interesting because initially they were going to start, you were going to have to start paying back in August of 2020. So they revised the rules to give you until next year, essentially a uh, one year after you received the funds. So yeah, that definitely was a nice uh, change from the original rules. Uh, great news for any of our healthcare providers that took advantage of that, for sure.
0: Wow. And,
1: and Tony, did I understand correctly that there was in, an option for providers where they could make a decision to pay back the full lump sum or make the decision to, to have the recoupments happen over a period of time?
3: I, I believe that, yes, that's true. I don't know the specifics um, offhand on what it would take to pay it back initially because I think CMS didn't have... Uh, at least a a, a process in place to take the funds back other than depositing or I guess refunding it right to them. But uh, I hadn't heard that they had established a way to return the funds because I had some folks say they wanted to just give the money back and not deal with it, but uh, there wasn't a mechanism to do so.
1: Yeah, it's a nice option to consider because recoupments can be difficult for billing offices to to manage, so. It's an option, yeah. Well, really, really interesting information. And I also can appreciate that even during a crisis, there are some really good creative thinking that can happen at a global level to try and help our society. And I am familiar also with the payroll protection program outside of healthcare. But I think what a wonderful way to help keep businesses open and employees employed for a time period when the alternative is that they get laid off or they have to go on unemployment, you're still paying out some fees, but what a wonderful way to try and help support businesses to get through this time. So really great information. Thanks for sharing. On the provider side, so is there any special terms and conditions that providers need to be aware of?
3: Um, I I went through most of those. Um, I think the importance of what I would really want providers to have done is the analysis over those stimulus funds, the provider relief funds, where you're looking at revenue losses year over year, um, making sure that you've done that analysis throughout 2020 so you're not surprised at the end of the year with where you're going to be and whether you're going to have to pay any of those funds back. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really kind of the budgeting process and really doing some preliminary calculations. There are some moving things, so you don't always know the final rules, but it's important to have gone through at this point, most people know on the PPP side, whether they're getting forgiveness or not, but you want to have not be surprised at the end of the year. Um, I think most of our clients are working through that process. Banks have kind of prioritized who's going through the forgiveness process. We have some clients that are waiting intentionally to go through the process because they weren't in a hurry. And then some that wanted it done by the end of this year.
0: Mm-hmm. So if
3: there are any accountants that are listening Uh, Unfortunately, the PPP uh, loan is a loan, so it qualifies as debt on your financial statements until forgiven. So there's some of those considerations that our clients have to go through. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that information, Tony.
0: Honestly, um, since we are a healthcare financial management association, I think it's appropriate, and even though you have touched on it a little bit, but if you could cover what the audit requirements are for this money that is being received through the CARES Act.
3: Yeah, that's that's also, uh, I think, pretty interesting because each one of these has a different outcome when it comes to what the federal government is requiring. When it comes to the loan related for the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, there's no uh, separate audit that's required. you go through the forgiveness process, they ask for loan documents, they ask for uh, proof in certain cases. If you're over $2 million of a loan, more than likely you will be audited to some degree and that'll be by the federal government going working through the bank to do that. The second item, the provider relief funds, that's considered to be a grant. And from the federal government's perspective, when it's a grant and you receive it and you've attested to it, that does require an audit. So there's the terminology referred to as a single audit. If you receive more than $750,000 from the government in grant funding, you're subject to this external audit. So your external auditors will also have to perform an audit over the provider relief funds and ensuring that you met the requirements for forgiveness. So somebody like me who's an auditor would have to sign off on those funds for that facility. Generally, you have nine months from your fiscal year end to complete that. And at this point, the federal government has not put out what's called a compliance supplement. The compliance supplement tells the auditor and the uh, facility, here's the rules, here's how you audit these funds. Uh, That book was supposed to come out several months ago or the supplement was, still hasn't come out. So as auditors, we're very frustrated with that because we can't audit something uh, to the specifications of the federal government. If you don't have a rule book that tells you here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to comply with. So um, at this point, the clock is ticking for some of our June 30th clients. They'll have to have that audit done by the end of March. And we're still here in mid-December waiting for a compliance supplement. And then the third uh, set of uh, funds related to the Medicare advance. That's just a recoupment. So there's no audit requirements surrounding that but uh, certainly the provider relief funds and the audit requirements around that will get uh, be an additional burden and cost and as i've joked with some of my clients those costs can be applied towards some of the additional funding or expenses that you had to incur as part of the provider relief funds
1: so tony that that's really interesting and in addition to the provider relief funds and the audits that we can expect in the next year Is there anything else that our members should be thinking about in regards to the CARES money?
3: Yeah, I I think um, I'm gonna go back to my earlier comment is looking at next year, I think you made the comment, Kelly, being aware that those funds are going to be recouped when it comes to the Medicare advances, budgeting for that is going to be critical uh, because you've got to expect that you're, if you're a facility that sees a lot of Medicare patients, you'll Mm -hmm. see a drop in your cash flow but obviously you receive that ahead of time. So make sure you budget it appropriately for those uh, expenses where the revenue won't, has already been received. Um, and then the other question will be, will there be a Cares for that gets worked on, You know, we're not sure in the next few weeks or two months, whether we will see another um, amount of funding that goes out, whether that'll be employer based, whether that'll be towards other organizations we don't know or healthcare specific. Um, So there may be additional funds out there, but right now it's a big question mark. Obviously, Congress needs to work together, work together with the president to pass something. we just don't have, I don't think I've got a crystal ball to tell you how that all uh, will end up here.
0: Very good. Yeah, so much coming at us constantly. It will be interesting to see where we end up. Along those lines, Tony, kind of have one final question for you while we have you. And um, as you know, the governor of Oregon, since this is Oregon HFMA, she just released her proposed budget for 2021. I'm gonna read a little bit of it. It says, it appears that she is calling for cuts to Medicaid reimbursement rates from 80% of the rate paid for Medicare patients to 76% of Medicare rates at diagnosed related group hospitals. She's also proposing to decrease the annual increase for coordinated care organizations from 3.4% to 2.9% and reduce the quality pool funding, which to me is a little sad because, you know, they work so hard to meet those requirements and now they'll get paid less for doing that. Um, But with all these proposed changes on the horizon, what financial advice would you have for healthcare systems to weather the upcoming changes?
3: Yeah, I think you saved the hardest question for last. Uh, I, I, with the, what's interesting with the budget, which the one piece I guess I had expected was that there wasn't going to be a um, decrease or reduction in in eligibility requirements or in benefits. So what we we'll see from the governor's budget is there's no drop, you know, so are the membership in Medicaid has grown from just below a million uh, pre-COVID, to I think we're uh, at a little over a million two, if I remember the last set of numbers I saw for Medicaid. So somewhere around 20% uh, increase in the Medicaid numbers uh, from this year, obviously from COVID. Um, in addition, uh, those members' eligibility hasn't changed. So when we see these drops in in um, in the increases. in in rates uh, from 34 to 2.9% and what the coordinated care organizations are going to be paid for each member. Uh, Again, my concern becomes we have a lot more people and we're going to have to deal with a lot less money to some degree. Even though per member in total, it might be a little bit higher, uh, the amount of uh, revenue that these coordinated care organizations will receive is being cut, which means it's going to also flow to the providers. So on one side, we're seeing a, cut in the reimbursement to hospitals. Uh, Medicaid's already seen as as a poor payer. So this further decrease is going to make it a challenge. We're going to see, I'm sure, um, uh, reductions in payments from these coordinated care organizations to providers just because of the cut in in benefits. So again, this is where it's critical for a hospital that has a decent amount of Medicaid, uh, which you know, what we see on average for the state of Oregon, hospitals have anywhere from 17 up to 30% in the Portland metro area. There's a large, you know, the much larger percentage of Medicaid versus Medicare in some of the more rural hospitals. Uh, my concern there is the reliance on Medicaid and understanding that those additional dollars won't be there. So, and in, in if you have a lot of Medicare, a lot of Medicaid, that's going to continue to be a challenge. Uh, commercial, the concern with our commercial insurance is that folks are being laid off, they're falling off the insurance rolls, they're falling to Medicaid. So again, making sure that the budget process for next year, understanding what your uh, typical payer mix might be and the decreases in commercial, increases in Medicaid and what that's going to do to your bottom line. Uh, The best thing I'd say is make sure you budgeted for that, understand what the costs are going to be and and budget appropriately. Um, And then again, understanding some of the cash flow. Uh, implications of some of this funding Um, uh, there's probably not much else I can say other than watching costs will be that much more important next year on top of what it was for 2020
1: that's very good advice Tony so thanks very much for your input and it's really been great having you on the show and Oregon HFMA is so lucky to have you join our leadership team we're really excited to see more of you well
3: that's very kind of you to say it was it was a pleasure being here today
0: Tammy, we do have a question for you before we end the podcast, and I would really like to meet again in person. When do you think Oregon HFMA members are going to be able to meet again face-to-face?
2: That's a great question, Jeff, and I think one that we all want to have answered. Uh, There are so many things to evaluate. Primarily, we are looking at the safety of our members that's got to come first before we make a final decision. Uh, on a conference. Tentatively, I can tell you that we are scheduled for Salishan conference in May. Um, As we continue to watch and evaluate COVID, uh, we'll make that call to have that conference sometime either in late January or early February. So it's too early to tell right now, but we are scheduled for May. I I feel confident that if we can't have Mays that we should be able to have a in-person conference in October.
0: Well, i'll keep my fingers crossed
2: me too
1: me three and then tammy any updates from nationals as far as conference happenings that listeners might want to attend
2: um you know i checked with with the association and they're, they're a lot like us they're evaluating the 2021 conference schedule for the year um and they hope to have more information at the beginning of the year they don't have anything planned as of yet um, the next one would be the, the main June conference. Um, but everything is really put on hold until they continue to evaluate. And, you know, like the Oregon chapter, they're really weighing in the, the safety of the members. I can tell you that the Oregon chapter has a webinar scheduled for December 17th from 12 to 1. in it's on the CMS regulatory hot topics impacting rural facilities, for the year end of 2021. So if you check out our website at org, you should see our upcoming events. So there's lots of webinars, but so far in person, everything's really just kind of on hold while we continue to evaluate everything.
0: Awesome. Good to know. Good to know. Well, as my amazing co-host Kelly had mentioned before, this has been a very informative podcast. Um, Tammy, do you want to Let our listeners know what they can expect on the next podcast of Imagine Amazing.
2: Well, I always like to leave it a secret, but I can tell you that our next podcast is one of our premier sponsors, uh, AppRev, and they have some very exciting topics to cover. Um, So you're just going to have to stay tuned until next podcast of Imagine Amazing to see what kind of topics we're going to cover.
0: Hey, I look forward to it. I like surprises.
2: (laughs) Yeah, great way to
1: keep the suspense, Tammy. So thank you and Tony for all you do with Oregon HFMA and all you're doing to
2: better educate and inspire change today.
0: Yes, and thank you both for joining us today on Imagine Amazing.
2: Yeah, and and thank you, Tony. Um, Great information to share with our members. Um, It's always a pleasure to be able to provide our members with uh, excellent information. And it's always a pleasure to work with Kelly and Jeff.
3: Ditto. Thank you. Great seeing everybody and have a nice, healthy, safe holiday.
1: And as a reminder, this episode of Imagine Amazing was brought to you today by Delap. To learn more, please visit www.dilapcpa.com. Thank you, Delap.
0: This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and all other popular podcast platforms, as well as YouTube. Please find us, like us and follow us for exciting new content in 2021. Also to learn more about or to join Oregon HFMA, please visit us at www.oregonhfma.org.